Hello, and welcome to People of the Pod, brought to you by American Jewish Committee. Each week, we take you beyond the headlines to help you understand what they all mean for America, Israel, and the Jewish people. I'm your host, Manya Brashear-Pashman. More than 3,000 people were at the Supernova Music Festival that began on Friday night, October 6th, and was meant to last through the next day. But at 6.29 a.m. on October 7th, it came to an end. In the horrific hours that followed, more than 400 people were killed and more than 40 kidnapped by Hamas terrorists. Survivors organized an exhibit at the Tel Aviv Expo to tell their story. Nova 629 is named for the moment when rockets began falling on the tribe of Nova Desert Rave. During an AJC Project Interchange fact-finding delegation to Israel in December 2023, my colleagues met survivor and organizer Tal Shimoni. After hearing her story, we wanted you to meet her too. Tal, welcome to People of the Pod. Thank you so much for inviting me. It means a lot for me and also for my tribe. So before we begin, I'm hoping you can kind of help our audience understand your tribe and understand just what the tribe of Nova or trance culture is. And what were people celebrating that morning? Yeah, of course, I will explain to the audience about trance culture and who we are. It's named after uh, music, electronic music. What's very interesting about this music, it came to Israel around the 80s from the area of India. And um, very soon it became a very popular uh, culture here and a very big scene here in Israel. Every weekend we have around 20 parties that are happening in nature that are celebrating this culture. The trans culture is connected in a way to more liberal and free culture connected to the yoga world, which means it's a very global and international thing. We're speaking about love and peace in all of the international trans festivals. It's not very much allowed to bring national flags. You're not allowed to bring flags of your own country. You can bring flags that are stating peace and love or stuff that are representing your group of friends, but nothing that is representing anything national. The aim is to do a community that has no judgment, that everyone can join it. If you're a good person and you love nature and you love humankind and you love the music, you can join And that's the Nova tribe main values. These are the things that we are standing for. And the gap between what happened to us in 629 that morning and of course the whole day after, because it's not just that moment that was horrible, it was the whole day after it. And of course, until now it's still going on. And from that moment on, the gap between this and who we are and what we are and what we came to celebrate is so big. For me, this is the unbelievable thing. A lot of time I ask myself, what am I doing here? What happened? Why did it happen to us? How many festivals have you been to personally and what took you to that one in October? I've been going to trans festivals and nature parties in Israel since I'm really young. I live in a really small village in the north that is quite hippie. So these things are being a part of who I am and what I do since around 15 My first international festival was in Hungary when I was 19. So I traveled to festivals around the world when I was very young. Today I'm 25. So this thing has been a part of my world for a while now. 
and Nova Festival came into my world around two years ago. I went to the same festival as I went to the first time and I didn't want to go alone. And some of my friends connected me to, the, uh, to one of the Nova producers, Nimrod Arnin, or the way I call him, Nimi. He's a good friend and became sort of um, a little love story, not in the romantic way, but in a way they opened their arm to me, this production, say, come join us, just be with us as my your friends. And I just fell in love with these people. They are so beautiful. And um, the people who lead this community are people that are full with heart. All they want to do is give good to this world. They volunteer monthly as a production. We have another volunteering now, this week on Friday. This is something that they do all the time. And at some point I decided that every time I'm going to come to visit Israel, I will visit in the time of a Nova festival. I've been living in Berlin for the last three and a half years. So it's not like it's been easy for me to come into the Israeli festival of Nova, but I did. I felt like it was important to me to do so. And they really produced something that is in international levels, just like the Hungarian festival I went to or the Portuguese boom famous festival or Universal Parallelo, which is the festival that Nova worked in cooperation with in the 7th of October. The international trans community is hugging us as much as they can because it's also very complex for them. This is, uh, for me, what this thing is about. Can you take us back to October 6th and then October 7th, Tal, and tell our listeners what you went through that day personally? So I was not supposed to be at that party, but I got a call from one of the producers, my friend, his name is Do, and he needed help in a new ecological team. He's been building up this first-of-kind ecological project in an Israeli uh, festival using reusable cups in the bar and handing out trash bags to the audience and differentiating trash in plastic trash and non-plastic trash, things that are really revolutionary in Israel. And since I was living in uh, Berlin and in Germany, as you know, is top one in this thing, he called me and he asked for help. And I was supposed to come to Israel for the winter because the Berlin winter was too cold for me. And I uh, decided I'm going to take my flight a bit more earlier than I planned and landed in Israel on the 2nd of October, which means the 6th of October was my first Friday at home after many months. I was doing a Friday dinner, shishi, Shabbat dinner with my family. Around 11, I took a ride with a friend and we had two other friends in the car and we drove into the party. I arrived around 12.30 and I said it to you before uh, the podcast that my boyfriend is one of the leaders of this production. He was already there. He was setting up the event. So this is why I had to take a ride and he had his car there. And then he was really tired. He went to sleep and I started working at around 4 a.m. I got a radio and I started doing my job. And around 5.45, actually quite exactly, um, my friend Yarin, he was going to play. His DJ name is Artifacts. You probably know this name. It is the last DJ who played in a party. And I woke up my boyfriend at 5.45 and I told him, let's go to dance. I can take my break now. And we can go and uh, hear Yarin plays in the main dance floor. It's a really big dance floor. It's one of the biggest he ever played in. So we were very excited for him. He's a good friend. And we went to dance. Now you see in the 
In the dance floors, especially of Nova community, but generally in the trans community, you don't really need to stay next to your friends. You can walk around. Everyone are friends with everyone. Everyone is super friendly and nice. And I think it's a very beautiful atmosphere. As I said, no judgment. Everyone is smiling at you. And then the sun starts to rise over the festival, right? Describe that for us. I don't think there are words that can express how you can feel when the sun is rising on a desert party in Israel. First of all, the Israeli sunrises in the deserts are the most beautiful thing you can see, really. I've saw a lot of sunrises in a lot of places in the world. I'm traveling quite a lot. This is something else. The, the atmosphere is magical. And also, you are dancing in the dark next to people that you don't see. And suddenly the light of the sun comes in and you can see the people around you. You can see their eyes. You can see their faces. And I think around 6.20, the sun was already starting to rise. And at 6.20, my boyfriend said he's going to the bathroom. And I asked to join him. He found me in the dance floor somehow, which was a luck for both of us. And we went to the bathroom. We went outside the bathroom at 6.29. And I can see a missile from far away. And I asked my boyfriend, didn't you say there is a ceasefire? And the minute I finished my sentence, hundreds of rockets are already flying above my head. And when I say above my head, you need to understand it was very, very close to my head. Physically, you can really feel the echo on your body, the echo of the Iron Dome disarming these missiles. Now we are in an open field, and as an Israeli, I know that open field missiles are not usually being disarmed by Iron Dome because it's protecting the villages. So we are deciding to go away from the area of the party. So if there will be any missile exploding on the ground and hitting something with electricity, so we will be safe. Like us, a lot of people are doing, so there is a lot of mess in the beginning. Very fast, the music is turned off. Very fast, our head of security, Aviv Avraham, rest in peace, who was murdered at the event after saving a lot of people's lives. He's calling on the speakers that there is a red alert, which means missiles, that the party is over and everyone should go outside of the party area to their cars, take their cars and go away. Now, we are production members. We also meet some of the production members outside the area of the party, and we don't really know what to do. Should we go? Should we help the security members take everyone outside? What should we do? And we go back to the area where my boyfriend's car was next to the police improvised tent that was there. We have 27 police officers on the job, 80 security members, private security that the Nova is hiring. And um, one of the police officers was screaming from the tent, everyone who has a car, take your car and go away. The party's over. Did you still feel compelled to stay or did you follow his orders and flee? In the moment that these missiles are flying above my head at 6.29, I immediately get an anxiety attack. So everything I'm telling you right now are stuff that my boyfriend told me and he was leading me through. So he was leading me out of the area of the party and then into the car, physically taking me because I was incapable of walking. My body completely froze. I couldn't speak. I couldn't say anything but the name of my dog for a while because she was home and this is the only thing I could think about. And also saying to him, what can we do? Can we help? He said, I also said that, which is quite funny because who I can help to when I'm like this the mind can be very tricky at that point. We take the car, we go inside the car, and we're driving through the emergency exit. 
Uh, from the left side of us, we can already see the traffic of cars coming out of the event. It's 4,000 people, around 2,000 cars, one road. There is no other way. We take the left turn towards the north and we drive away. At that point, we are deciding we're going to take a safe house. We didn't knew there were terrorists. We knew there were only missiles. So um, we decide we're going to go to the artist's house. The production is rented. And we're going to go to the protected room there because this is the safest place we know and the closest place we know. My boyfriend was also thinking about stopping on the road in the protected houses that are on the road, protected rooms. These places became death traps that many of my friends were there and murdered. And some of my friends were there and were lucky enough to survive and tell horrible stories from there. And I'm very lucky he thought that way and then for some reason he didn't do so. Everything is very random. We arrive into this house, he's opening his phone and he can see a message in the group that says that there are terrorists in the party. I'm calling my best friend Or. She was working in the entrance. I can hear the gunshots when Or is talking to me. She's talking with me for a while, around 20 minutes, where she's being led by police officers in the field trying to escape terrorists that have arrived. And the conversation ends with, Tal, I have to ditch my car. I'll call you later. Bye. And she hangs up. I hope you'll tell us what happened to her later. But what's going through your mind at this point? It seems so cliche to ask, but what do you remember feeling in such a moment of confusion and utter chaos? Helplessness, I think, is the best way to describe the way I feel right now. I want to go out, take my boyfriend's cars and go and save everyone I can because this phone call is just one out of many we got in the same time. We get notified of people that we know being murdered. Some of our friends saw it happening and they are texting us. And then we realize everyone ditched their cars. At that point, a couple, a friend of us and one girl that he managed to take with him, they're coming into this safe house and they are telling us that they saw someone completely wounded from gunshots on the way. They wanted to take him and help him. And he told them, leave me here. I'm out. Don't take me. You will die. And they had to continue driving because they were shooting at, at that time. And these stories are continuing to coming. And at some point, we're being asked by our production to start gathering locations of our friends that are hiding and running away from terrorists. We are posting everywhere online that we need people to send us the locations and that we need people to help us get to our people. At that point, one of our security members with some military men that were in voluntarily arriving into the area he managed to sort of take back the area of the party from the terrorists because they conquered it. I mean, when I say it like so many, like four months ahead, it still sounds to me like a movie. At 8.30, I think, I get a video call from the same friend. Oh, this time she's running in an open field and I can see the terrorists running behind her. And I scream at her to run as fast as she can. And I scream at her that I love her. She doesn't really talk. She says to me, she loves me back. And she hangs up. She was saying goodbye. Now, you see, I was a shooting instructor in the army. And I see my friend in an open field when terrorists are shooting at her. For me, she's dead. There is no other option. And she's a friend of mine and also of everyone else who was sitting there with me. And we all hear her in this conversation. And we are completely broken at that moment. 
Half an hour later, I get a sign of life from her when she says to me, sister, I got shot. She got shot in her leg. She survived, but after she got shot in her leg, she had to run 10 more kilometers with a gunshot in her leg. She survived, but I think her soul died that day and she had to rebirth. I am so relieved to hear that Or survived. When were you finally able to leave the house that you were trapped in and go home? This house is not far away from the area of the party and definitely not far away from Gaza. It's next to a city called Netivot. And Netivot is a small city in the area of Sterot and Ofakim. And the tourists are arriving there at some point. They're not arriving into the village we are. And there is a civilian squad that is protecting us. But they're getting very much closer to us all the time. We have television so we can see it on the news that they are getting closer. And this entire day, I'm trying to send locations of people that I know and people I don't know. And I get phone calls from worried mothers asking me to see what's going on with their child. And this whole thing is happening. Well, in one hand, I have my phone and I'm calling people. On the other hand, I have a knife because they are coming closer and I need to protect myself. And this feeling of fear and helplessness being all the time switching and anxiety attacks that are being escorting me until this day. And on the 7th of October, I think I had around 48 hours of an extended anxiety attack that was going on and off. At 5 p.m., my boyfriend decided he had enough and he doesn't want to stay in this house in the dark and we want to go home. We are calling the head of the civilian squad that is protecting the little village we are in. We're telling him we want to leave. And he says to me on the phone like this, listen, I can't guarantee you're going to survive this, right? It's your choice. We have no idea where they are right now. This is your decision. I don't take responsibility for that. And we decide to leave anyway. I don't remember anything from that ride. Only two burned cars and that's it. Thank God you survived that trip. Tell, how have you coped during the weeks and the months since then? I think in the first week I didn't sleep at all. Everything is very vague. The day after 7th of October, the 8th of October was the hardest day for me because I realized how many people I know lost their life that day. And then started a week that was the most horrible week in my life. So every day I go to around three funerals with people that I know from the international festivals, from home, from other circles in my life. And some of the funerals of my friends, I couldn't arrive because they were in the parallel time for another funeral. And the decision was to choose which one of my friends I'm saying goodbye to. Some of them were also in areas of risks, like the desert, like the Israeli south. And some of them were in the north that was very much involved at that point. Nimrod Arnin, my friend who welcomed me into this community, his sister, 19 years old, Ayala Tarnin, was murdered. So we went to, of course, to her funeral and there was an alarm and it's 30 Nova survivors in a house that doesn't really have a place for us to be protected. So we couldn't stay for this funeral. We all left. It was very sad. That's how my first week goes. I still carry with me marks of this, anxiety attacks that are happening, my sleepless nights, nightmares that are worse than anyone can imagine. Yeah. Um, this is my life right now. This is so unfathomable. And Tal, I'm so grateful to you for sharing all of that because 
I think it is hard for so many people to truly fathom the horrors of that day. And I imagine that is part of why this exhibit came together. Can you tell us a little bit about how it came together, who's behind it, to kind of describe it to our listeners? So all the villages next to Gaza, Kibbutz um, near Oz, Kibbutz Re'im, all these beautiful places that were burned out by Hamas, they have something to show. They can show people this is what happened to us. The Nova parties, just like any other international festival, are being um, built and disassembled in a matter of hours or days. And we had nothing to show. And our community is the biggest community hit by this day. A third of all the victims from the 7th of October are coming from the Nova community. It's such a big number. After the 7th of October, the first thing that we did as a community was building a healing center for the community where we had body treatment, mental treatment, workshops, everything we thought about it can help the people. Of course, at some point, the artists of Israel came to play for us some music. And during that time, some producers in Israel came to help us because some of them are the dinosaur of the tribe of trans in Israel. It's a big thing. And they wanted to help. And one of them came up with this idea, rebuilding the area of the party as an exhibition for the public. This exhibition, what you can see there, is the original party place. So it's the shadow tent, the big one that everyone can see in all the videos is being rebuilt there the bars, the camping area, the stages. We also have their toilets, the ones that I left from. And these toilets are now full with bullet holes, real bullet holes from the terrorist attack. For example, we know that around 30 people were hiding in these toilets and only three came out. And you can see and bear witness with your eyes on these things. You can see how many bullets are in every cell. They really didn't let anyone survive. You can see burned cars because Hamas just burned everything they saw with every measure they had. So it's like special explosives that burns everything very fast and a very high temperature. If it's RPGs, if it's fuel, they used everything they have. Some people were hiding underneath the car, inside the trunk, and they were burned alive. And you can see that there. I have so many stories of friends that we found their bodies in cars. And it took so long to identify the bodies because when you burn a human body, there is nothing left. After living through what you did, what was it like to see the scene recreated and memorialized for the exhibit? For me, the first time I arrived into this exhibition was horrible. The most horrible part was not all these things. The most horrible part was the screens we had screens of pictures of the kidnapped people and the screen of murdered people, all the faces, pictures of them. And between these two, we had a little place of lost and found. Everything that was found in the area of the party was brought there. Some people find their stuff there. It's a very exciting moment. But there is one table that was always staying the same. I call it the fun table. So when you are going to a trans party or um, into a Nova party, you usually bring with you stuff that make other people happy because this is the tribe. This is what we do. So for example, I like to put costume of a fairy. So I have my wings and I have my elf ears and I have many glitters. And uh, 
Some people are going around with really nice, beautiful, colorful umbrellas. Some people are going with a Hollywood sign of action and running around the dance floor and saying action to people. Some people are going with water guns and shooting at people in the dance floor. It's very warm in the Israeli desert. And people brought all these things with them. Um, some people bring some juggling, very expensive juggling stuff to entertain themselves and the audience. And this table was always remaining full. And at some point I realized why. I was thinking to myself, if I would lose my own juggling equipment, which I bring to every party, if I would lose it in the area of the party, I would come back to take it. There is no way. It's so expensive and it's so sentimental and it's so personal. And I know that my mother would never know how it looks like. So I believe that most of the things in this table were belonging to victims because they were just staying there for so long and they look so insignificant for someone from the outside. And for me, that was the most hard table, a hard area in the party because you can see the pictures of the victims and you can see equipment that you understand that the only person who can take them is these people that belongs to these things because they are so personal. You make a, a really good point about the exhibit memorializing a culture that's so ephemeral, so intangible. And I'm curious if there is a therapeutic quality to the trance culture, and is there a therapeutic quality to this exhibit, both for those who have organized it and for those who are visiting? I always end my tours there when I was doing tours I was always ending them with this table that I told you about in the Lost and Found. And I always told them that I still see the hope because I know I have my festival clothes at home and also all my friends and that we all have our fun stuff waiting for us to come back dancing. Because for me, dancing means healing. Dancing means therapy. Dancing means being connected to myself. And the great Raja Ram, which is a very big DJ, famous uh, trans DJ, when he was asked about it, about dancing in a trans festival, what it means, he was saying something very beautiful. He was saying, you forget who you are, you forget your identity, you forget your job, you are just there at that moment. And that moment is so beautiful. And I think we all need to come back dancing. We have every Wednesdays now a healing center, a community day that is being end with two hours of trance music. And there are therapists around if someone needs help. And some people are not staying. They know that at 8 p.m. starts a, a, set, a set of trance. So they are not staying because it's too much for them. They are coming there for their therapy and they're coming there uh, to meet their friends and be together and hug. And some are staying and, and fighting through it. It's a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see, but it takes time. Um, I have to say that we are trying to be back dancing, but I have to say I tried a few times to go to nature parties and it ended up with very big anxiety attacks. And I'm, let's say, a very high-functioning survivor. I can help others, which is not something I take for granted. So yes, definitely. We will dance again because it's a part of our healing. And we don't say this sentence for no reason. We say this sentence because we really believe we want to dance again together as a community. I believe my friends who are not with us are very proud of the Nova tribe 
for continuing dancing, for trying to heal and come back to the dance force. You know, this is what they left for us. They said to us, with everything they have, dance. With everything they have. They would not die in another way. They died in the middle of the, one of the most beautiful things you can do. Unfortunately, a very horrible death. Um, but if I want to remember these people as they were, I would like to remember them dancing in the dance floor with me. And they will dance with me when I dance everywhere. Tell the Grammy Awards are this Sunday, February 4th. Of course, it's not just an awards show. It's a platform for artists to speak out or pay tribute. And we've seen that after horrific events like the shooting at the Route 91 Country Music Festival in Las Vegas or the bombing at an Ariana Grande concert in England. Do you feel that the music world has spoken out about Nova? Definitely not. And I would expect the music industry to talk about it in the international level. You can say we are not talking about politics. We don't talk no Israel. No, we just talk about Nova. I think it's something that is possible to do. But it takes some bravery because people are connecting what happened with Nova to what happened generally on the 7th of October. And for me, going inside the Music Trans Festival is like going into international grounds. Really, it's just like the same for me. And the thing that the music industry is forgetting is that As you said yourself, there were so many music events that were attacked by terror before. And that can happen in every trans music festival around the world. They forget it. That each and every country, also in the US, there is many, many festivals with this type of music and this type of culture. They forget it. It could have happened everywhere else. Everywhere else. And of course, I would have expected the Grammy to do something about it, but I don't... I know how it works when it comes to Israel. It's always been separated. It's just like all the women organizations that are always talking about uh, rape publicly. And when it came to the 7th October attack, which women were raped, by the way, a lot of them were raped in the rave, in the Nova party. We have testimonies of our friends. Um, yesterday, even um, some of the representatives of the UN came to our community day to speak with some of the witnesses. And because they came here to Israel to do it. And I can't understand why they need to come to believe me. Like there is a movement now that's called Me Too Unless You're a Jew. And that's for me, when I saw even the name of it, I was like, how? How can they separate me from the rest of the world if I was in an international festival, music festival, just like in anywhere else in the world? What would be a meaningful tribute in your eyes? What would you like to see at the Grammys on Sunday? I think they should do something similar to whatever they did on other occasions that terror attacks were happening for in a music festival or in a music performance or in any other thing. I think they are creative enough. They are very good producers. They are bigger than whatever the Nova will ever be. So I trust them to know that they should recognize the fact that there was an attack in a music industry-related festival. But I'm also not expecting them to do so because I know that was, this festival was in Israel. And everything that is connected to Israel or to Jews is being treated differently. People are saying it's not anti-Semitism, but I'm asking myself, so what is it? Will this exhibit travel, Tal? Will there be an opportunity for people around the world to see this and to memorialize this community? Yes, we are working on it. 
very hard actually. I'm a part of the international team right now. It seems like the first destination might be New York or LA, but the United States, I think it's a very important that everyone who can will come to this exhibition um, when it will arrive to an area that is close to them um, because it will mean a lot to Nova community and also to the Israeli state. Tal, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It means a lot and I'm so grateful for being here today. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to tune in for my conversation with Mark Weitzman from the World Jewish Restitution Organization on how Holocaust museums worldwide and in Israel are grappling with the aftermath of October 7th in their exhibits. And tune in next week for another conversation with a supernova survivor, Yoni Diller. He shares his journey from that field in southern Israel that morning to American college campuses. The music heard throughout this episode was the last track played at Nova on October 7th when Hamas terrorists stormed the festival. The remix by DJ Artifacts was released in dedication to all lives lost and forever changed that morning. This episode is brought to you by AJC. Our producer is Atara Lakritz. Our sound engineer is TK Broderick. You can follow People of the Pod on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and learn more at AJC.org slash People of the Pod. The views and opinions of our guests don't necessarily reflect the positions of AJC. You can reach us at peopleofthepod at AJC.org. And if you appreciated this episode, please share it with friends and family and write a review on Apple Podcasts.